The following program is presented by the National Committee on United States-China Relations, www.ncuscr.org. This is Steve Orlands, President of the National Committee on U.S.-China Relations, and I'm pleased to welcome you to our continuing series of podcasts. Today, I have with me Ambassador Chaz Freeman. Among his many posts, among his many diplomatic posts, he was Assistant Secretary of Defense, Ambassador to Saudi Arabia, uh, Deputy Chief of Mission in Beijing, and for today's discussion, most importantly, one could argue, the translator for President Nixon during his visit to China in 1972. He has recently come out with a book called Interesting Times, China, America, and the Shifting Balance of Prestige. So let me start with my first question, which is, why the book now? What made you publish a lot of your writings over these many years at this point in time? Well, uh, Steve, I think um, it's generally accepted that uh, U.S.-China relations are, once again, at a sort of turning point. Um, And the book uh, looks back 40 years, or more accurately, uh, looks uh, at the future from past perspectives over the course of the last 40 years, and then tries to look forward uh, 40 years. Um, and it makes the case, uh, I suppose, in the aggregate, uh, that the future is ours to control. Uh, if we make the right choices, we can have a mutually productive relationship with China. If we make the wrong choices, uh, we will pay a price. What do you think those right choices are? Well, uh, I think uh, they are to uh, find an accommodation with rising Chinese power and wealth, to try to harness China's prosperity to our own, uh, to try to uh, stimulate uh, Chinese investment uh, to uh, re-energize our somewhat enervated economy and rebuild our infrastructure, um, and uh, to... uh, find ways to cooperate with China uh, on global issues, which really can't be addressed without our working together. Uh, Climate change is one of those, of course. Uh, Pollution, environmental damage, and remediation are yet another. And I would say uh, global energy uh, balances and food supplies are still another. What do you think, fitting in that kind of concept. What do you think the administration needs to be doing more of, the U.S. needs to be doing more of, than that they're not doing today? Well, I give the administration credit for this uh, latest meeting at uh, Sunnylands in California. Uh, That was a bit of a gamble. It was uh, unstructured on our side. I think the Chinese came to it uh, with a pretty clear idea of what they wanted to do. Uh, But um, it was an opportunity uh, to uh, for the president to sit down and think with his counterpart, uh, Chinese President Xi Jinping, what sort of uh, relationship might promote more cooperation than uh, competition or adversarial relationships. And uh, if that meeting is the beginning of a process, if it's followed by other such dialogues at the top, if we can focus for a while not on the issues of the moment but on the long-term strategic questions that confront us. Uh, and, if, uh, and if these meetings uh, 
at the top are in fact followed up with uh, substantive detailed discussion by lower levels, then I think we have a real chance to uh, to turn this relationship in the right direction. When you were part of the, the Nixon team, did you know that you were kind of participating in what was going to be a historic strategic change in the world? And do you think the the people who participated in the Sunnylands discussions had the same feeling? Uh, I, I certainly had a sense that I was in the middle of an historical turning point. I don't think I understood how great that turning point was. Uh, it was clearly um, a major geopolitical earthquake, um, which ultimately, I think, contributed greatly to the collapse of the Soviet Union and the end of the Cold War. Uh, but it was also a moment that began a process of opening and eventually reform in China that essentially transformed China from a weak, impoverished country into the more wealthy and more powerful nation it's, it's since uh, become. I don't believe, I think one of the problems on our side is uh, an absence of vision, an absence of strategic uh, thought. And I suspect most of those who went to Sunnylands with the president uh, were very much focused on the issues of the day, uh, the latest North Korean tantrums, uh, uh, the issue of cybersecurity, uh, things of that sort, rather than the broader questions of um, global cooperation that uh, uh, they can put these uh, these uh, admittedly very important but rather narrow issues in perspective. Uh, I would like to think that the president had a sense of this being a strategic turning point, perhaps, uh, but I frankly don't know. Do you think Taiwan came up in these discussions over these two days? Yes, it did. Uh, I understand it did. Um, and uh, that is not uh, at all a surprise because, as the Chinese have always said, uh, this is uh, both a major obstacle to a fully normalized relationship. Uh, that is to say, uh, from their perspective, the United States is aiding and abetting a, uh, a, a part of their country that refuses to accept the authority of the rest of the country. Uh, and it's also, um, it's also a, a constant irritant uh, to Chinese uh, nationalists. Um, but if it came up, uh, as, it, as I believe it did, I don't think it uh, formed a very large part of the conversation. Uh, the Chinese um, are quite pleased, and justifiably so, with the relative success of their uh, policy of rapprochement with Taipei. Uh, the two sides of the strait have made major progress in constructing a, a, an economic integration between them and restoring uh, cultural ties that had been severed. Uh, political matters uh, remain to be resolved, but I think there's growing confidence on both sides that in time uh, some way will be found to address those as well. Uh, so I think I suspect the Chinese basically asked the United States uh, not to aggravate, uh, not to interfere, not to uh, deflect uh, the basic trend, which is which is positive. It's moving toward a resolution between Chinese themselves on both sides of the strait. 
So no, I, I had not really phrased that question properly, which was, yes, it was raised, but do you think there was new thinking? And I guess you've already, you've already answered that, which is things are moving in the right direction, not necessary to have really new thinking on. Well, I think the, I think the Chinese, uh, in fact, are challenging us to think anew. Uh, uh, let's take, for example, the question of the traditional American approach to maintaining a military balance in the Taiwan Strait. Um, I would argue that that has lost its utility. Uh, first of all, it's essentially impossible to maintain a military balance between an island of 23 million people and a society of 1.4 billion when that large society is just as economically dynamic or maybe more dynamic uh, than the island of Taiwan is. Uh, second, uh, and I think Taipei recognizes that, uh, they're not trying to maintain a military balance anymore. They're much less insistent on arms purchases than they once, once were. Um, but the implication of trying to maintain a military balance, uh, if Taiwan itself can't do that, is that the United States has to do it directly. And that brings us into direct conflict with Chinese nationalism. Um, second related element is the basic U.S. policy on Taiwan has been military deterrence. Um, but is military deterrence really relevant when the two sides are seeking common ground and looking for ways to uh, reach out to each other. Um, it's certainly relevant in the sense of some backdrop to that, but ought, to, ought it to be front and center in our policy? And I, I suppose these questions are those which Mr. Xi must have posed to Mr. Obama. Do you think in the Chinese concept of this new great power relationship, it means a different U.S.? China-Taiwan relationship? Well, I think we need to continue the process we have uh, embarked on historically of trying to find ways to uh, set the Taiwan issue aside, never have to answer the question of would we go to war over Taiwan, yes. uh, because we found better ways of dealing with it. Uh, and that has been the essential thrust of U.S. policy uh, since 1971-72, and it's been pretty successful. Uh, and I, I think more of the same uh, sort of focus is probably entirely appropriate. When President Xi talks about this new great power relationship, what do you think he, and it's not had much definition, if you were to be defining it, how, how would you do it? Well, I think he is, um, you know, in part he's reacting to a somewhat distorted um, depiction of what has been called the Thucydides dilemma or Thucydides trap um, in which Sparta allegedly went to war with Athens because it was concerned about Athens rising strength and lacked appropriate communication with Athens. I don't think that's what happened and I don't think it's what Thucydides said happened. Uh, but nonetheless, it's become very much the mantra of the day that now that's a problem. That is, a rising power confronting an established power inevitably thinks of war. I don't believe that. Um, the sort of relationship that she is talking about, I think, is one that has to be worked out bilaterally between the two of us. 
Uh, and I think one of the most interesting and encouraging aspects of the Sunnyland Summit was that by appearing there with this on the agenda, the major item on the agenda, Mr. Xi was, in effect, inviting President Obama to engage with him in a joint effort to define what sort of relationship we ought to have, uh, not trying to impose a Chinese vision of, of this uh, sort of relationship uh, unilaterally. Uh, what do I think it ought to be? Uh, I think it ought to be based on a return to the sort of spirit that characterized the Nixon dialogue with Mao and Zhou and Lai back in 1972. And that began with an examination of current trends and, and, and events and um, an attempt to see whether we could agree on where those trends were going and then on what the consequences for each of us would be if they continued uh, to develop as uh, as it appeared they, they might. And if the if the consequences were adverse to our interests, um, we then talked about whether we could find ways of de deflecting their course so that they would be more favorable. And if we couldn't work together to do that, uh, we tried to see whether we could coordinate policy so that we made parallel but separate efforts to achieve that. And that, it seems to me, is, uh, is where we need to head in this relationship. We need to go back to basics. We need to see if we have a common appreciation of global and regional problems, whether there are large goals that we have in common that are perhaps bigger than the small differences we have, and whether we can build on that uh, to move events in the right direction. One final question. You called the book Interesting Times. Can you tell us how you came up with that title? Well, of course, that's an apocryphal Chinese curse. Um, uh, and it essentially means troubled times of transition. Uh, may you live in interesting times is may you live in times that are challenging. Uh, and uh, I think these are very challenging times. Uh, I think we've gone through uh, uh, a whole series, uh, I count four uh, phases uh, uh, in our relationship since World War II. And uh, we have arrived at uh, a time when the uh, existing framework no longer works. Uh, so we need to find a new one. Uh, and we're doing that in, a, in circumstances in which American power around the globe has been uh, uh, eclipsed in many ways. Uh, our appeal as a society for a variety of reasons having to do with our reactions to 9-11 is less than it was. Our economy is not on it at the top of its game, uh, and uh, we are losing competitiveness. So there are there's a requirement for the U.S. to get its act together in order to be able to uh, work competitively and cooperatively with a China that, to a considerable extent in recent uh, years, has had its act together. I want to thank. Ambassador Freeman for both his service to our country and for sharing his very thought-provoking words with us today. Chad, thanks. Thank you, Steve.